You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is Gordon Chang. Gordon is an author and political commentator. I first learned of him when I heard about his book, The Coming Collapse of China. Then, in 2015, I met and interviewed him for the Talking Taiwan podcast. We will reshare that episode at a later time. Recently, I invited Gordon back on to share his thoughts on the Hong Kong security law, China's ban of TikTok, Zoom's ties with China, and the confirmed case of bubonic plague in China's Inner Mongolia. Will the U.S. ban TikTok? At the time that this interview was recorded, that question wasn't answered. Welcome to the podcast, Gordon. Thank you so much, Felicia. I actually want to talk to you about a couple of developments in the news. For one, uh, last Tuesday, June 30th, China's President Xi Jinping signed in the Hong Kong security law one day before the anniversary of the UK's handover of Hong Kong to China on uh, July 1st, uh, which was originally on July 1st, 1997. Could you explain to my listeners, like, what is China's national security law? The national security law is Article 23 legislation. That refers to um, Hong Kong's mini-constitution. And um, Article 23 legislation in Hong Kong was extremely controversial, very unpopular. And the Hong Kong government couldn't get it passed for decades. Mm -hmm. um, so um, what uh, China did um, this year was to bypass the Hong Kong Legislative Council, which was considering Article 23 legislation, and Beijing enacted its own version, which is draconian. Essentially, people are saying that this is not just a law, this is the end of law in Hong Kong. And that's not a bad assessment, because the national security legislation law allows Beijing to do whatever it wants in the territory. Um, so clearly right now we are moving towards not just an authoritarian system in Hong Kong, but perhaps a semi-totalitarian one as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so how does more specifically it impact Hong Kong and its democracy movement? What have we seen so far? Well, on July 1st, since 1997, there's always been a large pro-democracy march. Um, this year, um, the permission for the march was not granted. Um, they, they said it was for COVID-19 reasons, but the Hong Kong government on that very same day held a handover ceremony, which also violated the Hong Kong government's own rules on social distancing and coronavirus. Uh, so really what they're doing is they're trying to end the democracy movement in Hong Kong. Uh, they're trying to end all dissent. And what we saw on July 1st, though, was people take to the streets nonetheless. And 370 people were arrested. Ten were arrested under the new national security law. Um, what uh, Beijing is now doing is going through the libraries, um, taking out books that might actually be um, violation of the law, which means anything critical of China, of course. And we're seeing schools scrub their curriculums um, because part of this new law uh, also is uh, patriotic education, something mm. else that's extremely unpopular in Hong Kong. So essentially, Beijing is going through all of Hong Kong society, trying to end any um, dissent of uh, not only uh, China, but everything else. And we got to remember, Felicia, this law applies to foreign uh, activities conducted by foreigners. So if I were to say, as I will right now, 
that Hong Kong people should have the right to of self-determination. That's a violation of the national security law. I'm saying this from New Jersey. I've just violated their law. Um, and so this is worldwide in scope. China is trying to um, um, basically uh, end all criticism of China anywhere in the world. Right, and so basically they're saying that if they could reach whoever is making these statements that they would crack down on these people or arrest them if possible. That's right. I mean, yeah. they've already started to arrest people. Yeah. This is basically arresting people for their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're very close to that in Hong Kong right now. And that's why you see a lot of kids raise blank posters um, as a protest because Uh they can't, um, you know, they they think that they can't be arrested um, for this. But, you know, any sign of dissent is Mm -hmm. actually can be considered to be a violation of the law, even if it's just a blank sign. Yeah. It's very disturbing. And I heard that some of the activist groups there, like the pro-democracy activist group there, actually disbanded because of this. That's right. And also people have deleted their Twitter accounts um, and basically going underground. But um, China shouldn't declare victory because um, this is an insurgency in Hong Kong. And insurgencies can disappear for a little while, but they always pop up and come back at them. And I think that we're going to see that in Hong Kong as well. Yeah. And I mean, the question is, how can China just violate their agreement that they made with Britain, the Sino-British Joint Declaration? I mean, I guess nobody can hold them accountable for that. Well, um, they're communists, you know, (laughs) and they don't believe in in adhering to their agreements. You know, in terms of holding them accountable, I think that we will see the international community start to impose costs on China. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the visa bans that are imposed by the U.S. on officials who have been eroding Hong Kong autonomy, that's a start. Um, but also the United States has withdrawn um, some special privileges that were granted to Hong Kong based upon the idea that Hong Kong was governed autonomously. Obviously, it's no longer governed autonomously. The U.S. is uh, withdrawing those special uh, exemptions. Um, We're going to see a lot more going forward because it's not just the U.S. We're going to see the U.K. probably extend citizenship to maybe as many as three million Hong Kong uh, residents. I don't know if China will let people leave um, Hong Kong. But uh, the international community is uh, coming together on this. Um, You know, if China wants support, on the national security law, yeah, it can line up the North Koreas and the Russias of the world. But in terms of those countries that can actually affect Hong Kong, I think that they will impose costs on China for this uh, unconscionable act. Right. And even Taiwan's president, uh, Tsai Ing-wen, pledged to support the people of Hong Kong also. She's made comments about the one country, two systems formula as well. Yes. I mean, and Taiwan is going to uh, offer itself as refuge for Hong Kong uh, people, um, as it has in the past. Yeah. So um, this is also something that China is not going to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the question is, is Ch- China going to interfere or block these offers made by Boris Johnson or Tsai Ing-wen? I think that they probably will. But remember that um, they have to go through extraordinary measures in order to uh, uh, block people from going to the UK or Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And those measures are going to undercut uh, Hong Kong's prosperity and viability as a financial center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And speaking of Taiwan, Taiwan's situation is very different from Hong Kong, but what does this mean for Taiwan? 
Well, you know, we saw last year um, Tsai Ing-wen. Um, she was so unpopular that she was not even going to get the nomination of her own party, mm-hmm. the Democratic Progressive Party, to run for a second term as president. But what we saw in Hong Kong last year with the uh, attempt to impose the extradition law, the protests, the crackdown from Beijing and from Carrie Lam, the Hong Kong chief executive, People in Taiwan, once again, were reminded about uh, China. And Tsai not only got the nomination from her party, she won in a landslide a right. uh, second term. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can almost directly trace that to the protests in Hong Kong over the extradition bill. Mm-hmm. But the question is, Taiwan going to be next? Like, is How willing is China to try to take Taiwan by force? Um, China has always said that reserves the right to take Taiwan by force. I don't think that it has the ability right now, uh, short of uh, using its nuclear weapons. Um, and and we got to remember, um, Chinese officials have threatened to nuke Taiwan in the past. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, I don't think that Beijing is in a position to do that now. You got to remember, um, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, has taken on everybody in the world. You know, he's got right. troops in India. He's now making a claim on Bhutan. There are these boat bumping and other incidents against Taiwan and five other nations in the South China Sea and East China Sea. There's an increase in the tempo of the dangerous intercepts of the U.S. Navy and the global commons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the question is, who isn't China fighting at this moment? So, (laughs) yeah, China can can launch an invasion of Taiwan, um, but it's probably not going to be successful because I think the international community will move to s- prevent that. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and speaking of India, India just banned 59 Chinese apps, including TikTok and WeChat. What's the concern about these apps? number of things. First of all, um, India has a special position because Chinese troops have evaded India. Uh, Chinese troops are below the line of actual control in disputed territory. Chinese troops are also in Indian territory that is not disputed. So India is going to defend itself. But of course, there are a couple things uh, here, especially with these Chinese apps. Uh, There's two reasons. Um, One of them is uh, you've got uh, uh, Chinese apps have been used for spying, including TikTok. Remember, Mm -hmm. TikTok was caught by Apple for spying on iPhone users in April. Mm-hmm. And TikTok was again caught about 15 days ago doing the same thing. So um, TikTok has been involved in spying and surveilling users. Um, this, is, this is another issue though, and this is perhaps even more fundamental than just surveillance and spying by these Chinese apps. And that's reciprocity. So for instance, with regard to the US, um, China doesn't allow American apps in China. Uh, China doesn't allow the apps of other countries in China as well. Um, so why should we allow Chinese apps in our country? Um, and that also applies to India. So there's a reciprocity issue. Um, so for these two reasons, spying and reciprocity, um, countries are rethinking um, all sorts of issues with regard to these Chinese apps. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising that the U.S. hasn't banned uh, TikTok already. Thankfully, India is leading the charge on this. But I heard that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. government might actually consider banning TikTok now. Yes, I mean, he's, he mentioned that on Laura Ingram's uh, Fox News show. Um, he said he didn't want to get uh, in front of the president. But it's very possible that this week we're going to see um, the U.S. ban TikTok 
Um, all sorts of things could happen. One thing we know, and that is that uh, the U.S. has now a fundamentally different view of China and is willing to take measures um, to impose costs on China. That's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I understand that under Chinese law that the government could actually direct private companies to act in a manner that the government wants them to. So essentially, that means that uh, Chinese companies can be an extension of the state. And I think that's part of the concern, right? Well, there's two things. First of all, in the Communist Party's top-down system, no entity, no individual can resist a demand from the party. But um, the Communist Party has actually codified this in the 2017 National Intelligence Law, which requires every Chinese individual uh, and uh, entity to spy if demanded. Um, yeah, TikTok in the U.S. is a U.S. company with a U.S. president, U.S. employees, U.S. presence, but it's owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. And although ByteDance is private, um, it's still subject to the national intelligence law. It's still subject to the dictates of the Communist Party. So if you have a Communist Party, a Chinese entity, um, they're under a compulsion to spy. Mm-hmm. Right. And we also saw some issues with Zoom also recently, right? It's Zoom, um, yes. Um, Zoom sending information back to China. Um, I think Zoom actually maintains its servers in China. Um TikTok says its servers are in the U.S. with a backup in Singapore, but China doesn't need to have the servers in China in order to um, surreptitiously, illegally grab information. It does it all the time. So um, it's just uh, when you have a Chinese company, it makes it even easier for Beijing to illicitly take data. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, what I understand with what happened with Zoom was there were some activists who used the Zoom platform to commemorate the Tiananmen Square massacre virtually. And uh, once that was done, their accounts were closed upon request of the Chinese government. So that was yeah, quite I mean, troubling. That's, that's, that's out and out censorship. But Zoom has also been in, um, implicated in, in uh, illicit uh, grabs of data. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, on Saturday, there was a reported a suspected case of bubonic plague in China, and I heard that just the other day it was confirmed that there was a case of bubonic plague in uh, Mongolia. Uh, what have you heard about that? Yeah, there were these isolated cases. Um, this is not something which is new. Um, there have been, from time to time, cases of bubonic plague in that part of China. Um, and indeed, in America, you have every once in a while mm-hmm. bubonic plague in the Southwest. Um, I don't think that this is going to be an issue. Um, not, not, certainly not on the order of the coronavirus, um, which uh, China, I believe, deliberately spread beyond its borders. Um, but the other disease issue in China right now is the G4 swine flu. Um, mm-hmm. which does have pandemic potential, mm-hmm. as um, virologists have said. And that actually could very well be another uh, worldwide outbreak of a disease generated uh, from Chinese soil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, those are pretty strong words. Um, uh, your statement that they intentionally spread COVID-19 beyond their borders. Well, they, they announced that uh, the coronavirus was human-to-human transmissible only on January 20 yeah. of this year. 
but mm -hmm. uh, doctors in Wuhan knew about this five weeks five weeks earlier, right. no later than the second week mm -hmm. of December. Mm -hmm. And um, if China had said nothing during that period uh, in December and January, that would have been grossly irresponsible. But we know that China tried to mislead the world into thinking it was not human-to-human -human transmissible. Mm -hmm. At the same time, um, Beijing pressured countries uh, not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines on mm -hmm. arrivals from China. You put those two things together, they inevitably led to the spread of the disease beyond China's borders. Now, I don't know what Xi Jinping was thinking, but if he wanted, after having seen what the virus did to China, if he wanted to level the playing field by spreading it beyond his borders, he would have done exactly what, in fact, he did do. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to assume that this was malicious, this was deliberate, and this indeed um, is an, raises the whole issue of mass murder. Um, mm -hmm. It's unthinkable, but nonetheless, when you look at what Chinese leaders in fact did, how can you come to any other conclusion? They took steps that would inevitably lead to the spread of this disease. They right. knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. How could they not? All right. Yeah, and that's why it's actually kind of concerning about the bubonic plague. When it comes to China, we don't really know if we're getting the whole picture. Yeah, we probably are not getting the whole picture, but um, this, is, um, this doesn't have the same potential, especially because the right. world has been alerted because you have foreign specialists um, who are on the scene. Um, or at least um, uh, working with uh, their Chinese counterparts. So uh, this is not going to be a case where China can hide the disease. Mm -hmm. They did that in coronavirus, You're but right. I don't think they can do this with uh, the plague. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Great. Well, uh, thank you so much. Um, is there anything that I missed? Because like, there's been so much news about China lately. Just wanted to have you on the show to share your thoughts. Um, is there anything I've missed or that you'd like to share with my listeners? Well, I think the important thing is that China's challenge to the world is an existential one. You know, Xi Jinping has been trying to promote these ideas of Tianxia, all under heaven, mm -hmm. that China rules all under heaven. Mm -hmm. um, so this means he's not trying to compete with the United States or Taiwan or anybody else within the current Westphalian international order. He's trying to overthrow that order. Um, so that means China is once again ruled by a revolutionary which means that this is uh, not a situation where we can cooperate or uh, in coexist with China. China makes it very clear that this is going to be um, an existential challenge to us. And to defend our societies, we're going to have to do what we can to end the rule of the Communist Party. I know that's, not an, unpopul uh, that's, that's an unpopular thought. I know that people don't want to think this. But we have to understand the fundamental nature, the dangerous nature of China's challenge to countries. And so this is a time where we're going to have to defend ourselves. Right. Well, thank you so much for um, taking time out of your schedule to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. So thank you very much, Felicia. I've been speaking with Gordon Chang, an author and political commentator, about the Hong Kong security law, India's ban of TikTok, Zoom's ties with China, and the confirmed case of bubonic plague in China's Inner Mongolia. Stay tuned for a future episode of Talking Taiwan, when we will reshare our 2015 interview with Gordon. Visit our website, www.talkingtaiwan, to learn more about Gordon and for links related to the items mentioned in this episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com. 